it's pretty awesome because I already got some really awesome marriage advice this morning from Earl. It was good to meet Earl. And he told my husband that to just follow me wherever I go. That's basically what he said. And so I really appreciate that, um, that we could come, that my husband could be here, and I already got that awesome advice. Uh, so thank you, Earl. Um, I'm expecting my husband to fully live up to that, and I can't believe it's International Women's Day. I did not know that. How cool is that? So I'm pretty excited to be here. I'm excited to be in Campbell River because it feels a bit like coming home. I grew up in Nanaimo, so getting to come to Campbell River, I feel a little bit like I'm coming home. Although I know Campbell River and Nanaimo are very different places, so you don't have to tell me that, but it's still, it's so awesome. I got to wake up this morning, look out my window, and see the ocean. And I live in Langley, so that doesn't happen there. So I was really happy, I'm really happy to be here. And it's kind of funny because um, some of my co-workers at Fellowship Pacific are in Revelstoke this weekend, and they sent a picture, so they're at our, helping our church uh, with some discipleship in Re Revelstoke. They sent a picture of them beside this huge pile of snow. Uh, so it was kind of fun to get to send them a picture this morning of this beautiful dusting of snow in Campbell River. I think I got the better end of the deal right? Yeah, I think so. Anyways, I just want to say I already love your church from the minute I got the emails I got from Emma this week, which were so cheerful and made me feel so excited to come to the um, offers, to take me for dinner with Dale, to coming in here, a warm welcome from everybody, just the way you welcomed me and helped me set up. To be here I just want to say thank you and um, you know sometimes we take for granted how great our staff are and your staff are awesome so anyways yeah give them a hand so really that really helped me um, as I came here and you know I work for Fellowship Pacific and your church is a part of this group of 90, I think it's 96 churches across BC, and our whole mission is to leverage the collective strength of our churches to have a God-honoring impact in BC and Yukon. Isn't that an awesome mission? And you're a part of that, and I hear stories from your church that you're really doing that. And um, on behalf of the fellowship, we just want to say thank you uh, for having that impact here in Campbell River, for being a part, being a part of that bigger vision to reach our province for Christ. So thank you very much for that. Um, traveled over on the ferry last night. Anybody here have FOMO? Everybody know what that is? I recently learned what that is. That's that fear of missing out. Do we have anybody who has a fear of missing out? Come on, nobody? Yeah, a few of you really have that fear, and normally I don't really have that fear, so we were on the ferry last night, and I decided to go down and have a nap in the car. Okay, I know, boring. And my husband, though, he loves to go outside on the ferry. He went outside on the ferry, and then he came back, and he showed me this picture of this beautiful rainbow. It wasn't one of those, like, little snippets of a rainbow. It was like a rainbow that go, you can see one end to the other across the ocean. And he showed me the picture of this, and I'm like, man, I really missed out on that rainbow. And, I, and that's because I love rainbows, because they represent peace to me. 
Whenever I see a rainbow, I'm reminded of the promise and the peace of God. And I've been thinking a lot about peace lately and what that means because a friend of mine recently made a decision to follow Jesus in her life. Wasn't expecting to get emotional. Every time I talk about that, though, I'm just so amazed. And she said, I've never felt such peace in my life. And even though she was going through the absolute worst time in her life, she said she just couldn't explain it. She just couldn't understand that peace that she was feeling in her soul. She said, I'd seen that in other people around me, but I'd never experienced that for myself. And then I have a friend in my community group, and he's in his 80s, and he just became a follower of Christ a few years ago. And the really cool thing is his sister said to him, she said, you, she begged him to read the Gospel of John. And so he did. And through reading the Gospel of John, he gave his life to Christ. And every time he comes to community group, this is what he says. He says, I just never want to go back to that time before I had that peace in my life. And he says that almost every time. He's like, I just can't believe I went my whole life without this peace. And I don't know you, but I often forget about that peace that God brings, that kind of soul satisfaction of knowing Christ. And instead, I kind of replace it with this wanting to be perfect at everything. And no, I don't know if you're into the Enneagram, but I'm not a one on the Enneagram. I'm not a perfectionist, but I struggle with this idea of trying to be perfect. I have this idea in my head of what is the best version of Elizabeth that I can present to the world, but I often don't even live up to that, whether it's as a mom or a wife or as a friend or as a servant of Christ, I have many good and bad days, and I don't often present that best version of myself. And I, I sometimes think, well, what is that best version? I kind of know what that looks like on the outside, maybe. Don't always live up to that. But what does that best version look like on the inside? And for me, it's like, oh, I can conquer anything. No one can get in my way. Nobody can get me down. I can do anything. I'm at peace with everything. I'm not conflicted. I'm happy with who I am and who God made me. I'm at peace with God, and I'm at peace with others. But in reality, I don't always rest in what Christ has done. Instead, I often compare myself with other people. I doubt if people really like me. Sometimes I feel lonely, and I would just, instead of engaging, I withdraw um, because I don't want to be vulnerable with others. I struggle with being a good enough mom. I struggle with unforgiveness towards people in my family. And as a, as a follower of Jesus, I really wish, I wish I could just follow him better, and then I would feel better on the inside. And I think sometimes we're also looking for someone else to actually fill that need, whether it's a spouse or your kids, a job. Sometimes it's just like that cycle of sin that's making, maybe making us think we're filling a need, or we dull it with our TV or phone or exercise or food or sleep. I mean, we can name all sorts of things, right, that we dull um, that feeling of peace. And I just think, if only I could get better 
at some of these things, I'd feel better on the inside. Well, you can fill in the blank for yourself. If I could be better at this, or this is better in my life, I'd feel good on the inside. And some, that doesn't always, we don't always remember to put Jesus in that blank. And if you're a follower of Christ, you know in your head that soul satisfaction, peace in your heart is not about being your best. It's not about being the best version of yourself or having, you know, self-improving yourself or being perfect. And you know what? There's all sorts of systems, strategies, methods you can put into your life to be more perfect. And certainly I've tried many of them and some of them have been good and helpful and they've worked. But one of the things I think I've learned is that perfectionism, this seeking and trying always to be perfect, is really just a facade of insecurity, it's of some kind of other deep dissatisfaction. Or sometimes it's really just plain forgetting about who Jesus is and needing to be reminded of that. Well, my friend's journey coming to Christ really reminded me of that. And Jesus certainly had something to say about it. The thing is, many of the answers about finding satisfaction on the inside are about understanding who Jesus is. It's so basic, it's so true, that we need to be reminded about it again and again and again. Well, maybe you don't, but I certainly do. So, I want you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. And we're going to read a story, the story about the Samaritan woman. We're going to start in verse 4 and read to verse 26. And this is what it says. Talking about Jesus. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Well, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. 
Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied. I wish, don't you wish you knew her name? Whenever I read that, I'm like, I wish I knew her name. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Let's just take a minute. Let's pray. God, I'm, I just love your word. I love how it cuts right to our soul, God. And I pray that as we look at this passage about this Samaritan woman, and God, I just think you know her name because you called her to yourself, Lord. And I just, I just pray as we come and we remember what you have called us to, God, that you would speak to us and remind us of that peace where our satisfaction comes from. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is a story of a woman who met Jesus for the very first time. And Jesus was on his way. He was traveling uh, from Judea to Galilee, and he was trying to avoid the Pharisees. And he was passing through Samaria, and he sat down by the town wall. He was thirsty. He was tired after traveling. And as, as he's sitting there, a woman comes to the well. And so he asks her for a drink. Seems like kind of a normal, kind of boring interaction. But for her, it kind of, kind of became this central in time, just in time moment for her. And she was surprised that he talked to her. And this was mostly because he was Jewish. She was a Samaritan. He was a man. She was a woman. And normally, these two groups of people didn't really talk to each other. In fact, later in, in the passage, the disciples came to join them, and, they, and it says that they were really surprised to see him talking to her. And I was trying to think, I was trying to think of a modern-day example of this, because I was like, does this really happen anymore? And I was thinking of that feeling, if you're a parent at all, and maybe you're walking down a street with your child, and a homeless person um, approaches you. And quite truthfully, my auto reaction might be to back away, to kind of have a little fear and like think maybe why is this person talking to me? I'm not saying that's the right reaction. I'm just saying that's maybe can be an auto reaction. Um, and maybe that would have been the disciples kind of reaction of seeing them kind of interacting with together. Um, is kind of like, oh, I'm not sure about that. But we all know that Jesus was unconcerned, right, about status, about background. He talked to people like Zacchaeus, who was like a tax collector. He, the disciples were, you know, nobody to write home about. He even let children come to him, crazy. Uh, he let people who were sick come to him. So he would talk to anybody of any kind of background. And the thing is, he always seemed to know exactly what 
people needed. So he comes to the well, he asks her for a drink, and she says, well, how can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus' answer is super strange. He says that she is asking him the wrong question. And it says in John 4.10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. He says, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for living water. And living water is the kind of satisfaction for thirst where you don't get thirsty again. And I hate being thirsty. I really hate it. So I kind of get this. And I love this comparison of what Jesus brings to our souls, to that place on the inside where we sometimes feel at peace or not. And think about what really satisfies your thirst. Okay, for me, it's like iced tea or iced coffee. My kids would be like Slurpees all the way anytime they're thirsty. Um, and there's been some times where my family has gone hiking. And actually, I was remembering a few years ago, we went for the hike out to Ripple Rock, which is near here, right? Yeah. Okay. We went out for a hike to Ripple Rock, and there's lots of bees out there, by the way. They're scary. I got chased by a bee. Anyways, side story. But it was a really hot day, and uh, we ran out of water on our way back, and it was really, really hot, and we were really thirsty. And not only was I really thirsty, but my kids were really thirsty. I'm not sure what's worse to me, actually, is, is that, or having, seeing my kids be really thirsty. But when we got back to the car and we had a drink, oh, that drink was the best drink ever, right? So we can kind of understand uh, this feeling about thirsty, being thirsty. Um, but, and she would have understand that too, right? Because she lived in the desert, and she had to work hard to get water. Um, and we can all understand that idea um, that if we quench our physical thirst, we're actually going to be thirsty again, right? It's, we're we're, we're going to keep getting thirsty. But what about that soul thirst, that desire for peace? She didn't even seem to know she needed it. So she's curious about what Jesus means. And she says, where do you get this living water? She knows the well that she's at has provided water for centuries to other great men. And I imagine her kind of saying this kind of sarcastically, like, where do you get this living water? Uh, she probably didn't, but I kind of imagine that because it's kind of a weird, weird thing, right? And Jesus has a point, and she knows the heart of what she needs. And Jesus' answer is that everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But the water he is talking about means she will never be thirsty again. The water he has to offer will mean eternal life. And I think we can understand that there's no accident that this encounter was by a well. I was thinking about all those initiatives, those humanitarian initiatives that start with bringing water to a village. And that's because water is a symbol of hope and a start to a better future. So of course, she jumps on this because who wants to keep coming back to the well every day? This sounds miraculous. This is amazing. And here's where Jesus just cuts to the heart of what he's really talking about. He tells her to go get her husband and come back. 
which she answers that she has no husband. And Jesus says, I know. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with is not your husband. Is not your husband. He confronts her real issue and problem, her sin, which she may, it seems like she didn't totally know was her problem. And you know, I think sometimes you and I get direct, misdirected about what our real issue is with our peace and our soul in our soul is. And I I think of a time about 15 years ago where my parents got a divorce. And this was a very shocking thing. I was in my late 20s and I thought my family was good. I thought that everything was good. I thought my parents would be together for for our children. And I was very devastated when this happened. And for a long time, this like really messed up my peace. And you know, it was awful, and it was a terrible circumstance. But I started to realize that that inability to find peace actually didn't, started not to be about that bad circumstance, but instead started to be about my, really about my inability to forgive my parents. Um, And as I, as I very slowly (laughs) learned to forgive them, that peace started uh, to return. And, you know, he just says it how it is. You know, this is your real problem. Sometimes we just need somebody, right, to just say it how it is. You know what? This is your real problem. Um, And so I love that Jesus does that. And most people might have reacted to that and thought, you know, who are you to judge me? Kind of like weird Jewish man sitting by a well. Like, who are you to say this to me? And the weird thing... I think this is super profound, is that she doesn't feel judged by Jesus. Isn't that interesting? She doesn't feel judged. She doesn't get angry at him for pointing out the kind of life she's living, but instead she starts to ask more questions. And I think she just felt the love of Jesus in that moment. And it ends with her discovering that he is the one where she can find salvation, not in her traditional form of worship, but through Jesus himself, because he is the Messiah. And we know this because after he tells her that he is the Messiah, she just leaves, the Bible says, and she runs back to the village. The Bible even points out that she left her water jug at the well. Okay, so she left her form of getting, quenching her physical thirst at the well. She's so overcome of what, by what Jesus has said. And um, I think this is significant, significant. She left and she went back and she told the other villagers about Jesus and that he might be the Messiah, that he might be the Savior. And you know what? Many of them took her word for it. And that's so interesting to me, knowing her reputation that she would have had. Don't you? She must have been so changed by her encounter with Jesus. And the Bible says that many of them believed that he was the Savior of the world. If you look at verse 40, uh, 42, we know this man is the savior of the world, not just because of what you said, 
Now we have heard for ourselves, because they had had, since then had an encounter with Jesus, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. You know, this woman had been looking for satisfaction, I think, in her life in men. And as soon as she met Jesus, she understood what her real need was. He had come to save her soul, to bring satisfaction and peace with God, despite her past, to bring her the living water. And you know what? It is the same for you. Jesus, the living water, has come to save your soul and bring peace to you, despite your past. And as we kind of mentioned before, looking for satisfaction for our soul can look like all different kinds of things. And there is those obvious things like food and alcohol, drugs, relationships, maybe religion. Um, actually, I was thinking about my teenagers re recently, and I was noticing that sometimes they try to feel good by getting, um, you know, girls to like them. <laughs> and I was like, they're looking for approval from others instead of from Jesus, who can satisfy their soul. Um, yeah, and there's other things, like for me, that perfectionism or striving, or even that next big adventure, or just spending, having fun, spending all your money. Um, but I think this satisfaction really comes from com just coming to Jesus and laying all that stuff down to them at him. The things you've done wrong, against God and others. You're striving to be perfect and realizing like she did that Jesus is the Savior, that he has come to rescue, rescue us. Perhaps like me and perhaps like this women, woman in the story, you do tend to look for this satisfaction for your soul in other places. And what you really need is that healing in your own soul to experience that living water that Jesus is talk, talking about. You know, with Jesus, you don't need to be that best version of yourself. You don't need to wait till you're at a certain level, till you act a way certain way, till you look a certain way. He meets you right where you are, whatever your past is, however you feel right now, and no matter how much rejection you've experienced. I recently heard another testimony for a, from a young man who was uh, a Buddhist, but he was kind of searching uh, for what really was the meaning in his life. And he had some Christians kind of around in his circle of, of influence. And he said that one day he was in a warehouse where he worked, and he suddenly felt this presence. And the way he described it was this presence being like a mother nurturing a child. And he was really overcome by this experience. And so he called. It's really weird. He said it was really strange, but I just felt like I needed to call my friend and ask her if she was praying for him. So he picked up the phone and he called his friend and he asked her if she was praying for him. And you know what? She was and had been. And through that experience, he gave his life to Christ. And again, that same kind of story where that peace of God was like nothing he had ever experienced before. You know, he is the God 
who really could understand you or anybody because he did live on this earth, right? He was born, he grew up, he was thirsty. He needed a drink at the well. He was sad and angry sometimes. But in all that, he did not do any, anything wrong. And in the end, he died and he came back to life again. And all of this so that you and I could be set free from those things that bring us down, bring us down so that we could experience that true peace in our soul. You'll know this verse probably in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 29, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The rest that Jesus is talking about here is peace with God. It's a release from living perfectly to please God, but instead resting in the fact that you are forgiven and that your standing before God is secure. Rest for your soul and that living water that Jesus is talking about is a relief from striving and instead accepting what he has done. <laughs> um, I, this, I, obviously, this need for striving to be perfect is a thing with me, and I don't know what it, it, it is for you, but with Jesus, I just know that I can just be, that I don't have to be anything for him to accept, accept me. And the Samaritan woman experienced this. My friend experienced this. Hopefully, you have experienced this. But what I think what we forget is that it's still living, right? We are still accepted, not just when we first gave our life to Christ, but Jesus still can fill us with peace. And not just the know where we will be in eternity kind of peace, but the peace of God that's with us through all the ups and downs in our life. Later in John chapter 6, Jesus declared this. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So if you've been feeling an emptiness in your soul, Jesus says to you that he is the living water. He is the bread of, bread of life. Whether you doubt he exists or matters, whether you're indifferent whether you're wondering, whether you believe this, but you just feel dry in it, where you've whether you've experienced his goodness, but you've kind of wandered away, or even now, if you're living the fullness of that peace in God, uh, he is the living water. And because it's living, it doesn't run dry. You can keep coming back for it. It's not just for the beginning of your journey with God. So if you do feel empty or dry this, this morning, remember the living water lives in you and it never, ever goes dry. Maybe this morning you really need to get real with yourself. Maybe you need to get real with God or maybe you need even with someone else here. And too often I think in, in the church, I know in my experience, we keep this empty soul feeling, this kind of dry 
thirsty soul feeling to ourself instead of just saying out loud, whether that's to God or to someone else. And I think that's something that we can really help and encourage each other with. Think about this Samaritan woman um, when she found that peace for her soul. What did she do? She immediately went out and told others. She knew she had met the Messiah, the living God, the living water. And I was thinking as I read this that maybe what we need to do is actually put on display what Jesus has done for you. Or maybe you're like the disciples and you need to be reminded of the harvest that's out there. Later in John 4, 34 to 38, Jesus talks about this. He says, open your eyes. He's talking to the disciples. And look at the fields. They are ripe with harvest. And yes, there are people out there who are ready and waiting for that peace. They don't know that they're missing. Um, and so they don't know or they've kind of forgotten. And maybe you've forgotten that it's so real and so life-giving and it's so thirst-quenching that you forgot that it's something that other needs to know. And you know, your mission has not changed even as your church has gone, even as our church goes, churches go through different things, our mission has not changed. That we need to share that life, that living water with the people around us. And so I just want to encourage with you, you with that. I told you about my friend at the beginning. And you know, I've known her for about 10 years. And she, she became a Christian after 10 years of people living out their faith around her, of showing their faith to her. Ten years ago, she would never have listened to anybody talk about Jesus. She never would have stepped foot in the church. She wouldn't even have let her children step into the church. And recently, because of the witness of many people around her, and because of God just breaking into her life in so many ways, she gave her life to Christ. And it just reminded me to remember that peace that comes with knowing Christ. Come and see and remember that he is a living, living water. And remember to remind that, whether that's to you, your peop, the people sitting next to you who need to be reminded that water's living and they can keep coming back to it, or whether it's your friend or family member who's never experienced that. Don't keep it to yourself. Let it leak and flow and flood and gush and run. I was trying to think of as many water words as I could because it's the kind of thing that we don't want to keep to ourselves. We don't want it to be a trickle. We want it to be the kind of thing that floods out of us to our friends and even to our city. So whatever you do as a church, don't forget about your mission to show and share Jesus. There's a whole room of people whose peace is in Jesus here. So be the spreaders of that in your circles and around Campbell River. And I was thinking about my friend Kathy, and I remember quite a few years ago, I was at church, and our pastor challenged us to write down a name on a piece of paper of someone that we thought God needed 
that somebody who needed Jesus, and maybe that there was some way that uh, you needed to share that person. And you know what? I wrote down this lady's name on that piece of paper, and I thought, this is impossible. God, why are you giving me this name? But you know what? There was a reason for that, right? And I wasn't even the one to lead her to Christ. It was, it was somebody else. But it was this circle of people living out that peace they had with Christ and not being afraid when the time came to share that with her. So I want to encourage you that. We're going we're gonna to pray. And I want to encourage you, if you're feeling dry or lonely or you've just forgotten the peace that Jesus first gave you when you gave your life to him, that peace is still available. He is the living water. You can come to him again and again and again, and he is going to be there to fill you with that. Or maybe you need to tell somebody here today that you are feeling dry and lonely and you need somebody else to lift you up and remind you that he is the living water and to be kind of that person leading you back to that. Maybe that's something that you need to do this morning is to tell somebody. Or maybe there's somebody that God is bringing to your mind right now that you need to write down in your Bible or on a piece of paper or in the little note section on your phone and just write it down, believing the promise that God wants to bring them peace as well. And as a church, go out there. Share that living water. Let it flood out there because you're here for a reason and I know that God has great plans for your city as you continue to serve him here. So let's take a minute and let's pray. Yeah.